This morning's reading is from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 23. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit lives in you? God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, The Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kerry. Do keep your Bibles open and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of faith. Thank you for calling us to yourself. And we ask that you would continue to mature us in this faith. Uh, And we ask that you would be doing that even this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may have noticed in uh, recent months there have been a lot more babies around at St. Stephen's. And uh, babies are, are pretty cute, aren't they? 
Uh, obviously not, not everything they do is cute, but for the most part, they're cute. When they lock eyes with you all of a sudden, you find yourself kind of in the staring contest mid-song, or when they try and join in the conversations before and after church, or they laugh at the wrong times after a joke. It, it's cute when babies try and sing, but they're, they're out of time. They can get away with that. It's even cute when they heckle me as I'm preaching. It's, it's not so cute when the rest of you do it. Uh, it's, it's very cute when babies act like babies. It can make us laugh. It, it warms the soul. But when grown adults are acting like babies, there's, there's nothing cute about it. And unfortunately, that's been part of the issue that Paul has had to confront among the church at Corinth. Spiritually speaking, the Corinthians are acting like a bunch of babies. Now at some point, babies move on to solids and the Corinthians think they're ready for solids. But all they seem to be able to handle spiritually is milk. Last week we saw that there's this huge contrast between those who have the Spirit of God and those who do not. Without the Holy Spirit, that the wisdom of God is hidden from us and the plans of God will seem like foolishness to us. But the Spirit of God gives understanding. He helps us to see things from God's perspective, to understand the cross of Jesus, and He transforms us from those who were once spiritually dead to those who are now alive in Jesus. This week there seems to be a different contrast that Paul highlights for the church in Corinth. It's a contrast he sees in the lives of these Christians there. And we see it in verse 1. It's a contrast between actions that are spiritual and actions that are worldly. He's not questioning whether the Corinthians are Christians, but rather he's wondering why some of the Corinthians haven't been more transformed in their behavior. This is an immature church which has got some growing up to do. They should be on solids, but, but they can't even handle milk at this stage. They lack maturity when uh, Paul first brought them the gospel, which was probably understandable for new Christians. But years later, some things haven't changed. And in these first four verses this morning, it makes it clear. That's why Paul says in verse 1, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly or in some translations, as men of the flesh, mere infants in the faith. And I imagine Paul is writing this because they are frustrated at him. Uh, perhaps they think, Paul, why don't you treat us with a bit more dignity, with a little bit of respect? Everything you're telling us, we've, we've heard it before. When will you stop treating us like children? We've been Christians a while now. Why do you keep, why do you keep on telling us these things that we already know? When are you going to give us something with a bit more substance? And you can picture their frustration. It's like the teenager who feels as though they're ready to make their own decisions in life. They know best. I don't need mum or dad to tell me what to do. I need freedom. And so they cry out, when will you start treating me like an adult? And of course the parents' response, when you start acting like an adult. Paul is like a, a father to the Corinthians, and, and this is his frustration. You might look like mature Christians. You, you talk about your spiritual gifts. You talk about uh, your freedom in Jesus. You boast about it. You love your leaders, possibly a bit too much, but you're still acting in worldly ways. There is jealousy. There is quarreling. And you're still doing things that are foolish in God's eyes. You might be wise in the eyes of man, but not to God. 
How can I treat you as mature Christians when you're clearly still so immature in the faith? One says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Such a, a worldly way to be thinking. And this problem in Corinth can be a problem in, in any church, can't it? What would Paul say about the church at St. Stephen's? About individuals here? Would he see hints of jealousy and quarrelling? People who are more dedicated to a, a leader than to Christ? Uh, I spoke to a, a minister recently who was shocked to hear from a member of his, of his church uh, I'll go wherever you go, as if following this leader was more important than anything else. Are we thinking in, in worldly ways instead of godly ways? Or would Paul see a church that is actually enjoying the solids, growing spiritually? Well, in the rest of the passage, Paul tries to help the Corinthians move from milk to solids. And he does this in three different ways. Firstly, he shows the role of Christian leaders, uh, verses 5 to 9. What is Paul and what is Apollos? Only servants through whom you came to believe. Only servants. That is the role of Christian leaders. They are to serve. So why is it that these men, these servants of God, are being treated like heroes and in some cases like villains? And he takes them into the world of agriculture to correct their mistake. He, he talks about a field, which you see in verse 9, and the work that's being done there. There are a couple of things that stand out about the roles of, of Paul and Apollos. Firstly, people have come to believe in Jesus through their work. And this is a, a great thing to rejoice about. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that there will be particular uh, Christian leaders who, who've played a role in your faith, in your coming to faith. And if that's the case, I'm sure that they have a, a fond place in your hearts. And rightly, we should thank God for them. Now, the next thing we re, uh, learn about their role, they, uh, there are some courses at university where you pick what subjects you'd, you'd like to do, and there's, there's quite a bit of freedom. There are others where it's all assigned to you. You don't really uh, get much of a say. And it's the latter of these two that, that's probably a more helpful way to think of the role of a Christian leader. Each one has been assigned their task by God. So everything they do is a result of, of God's initiative. It's less Paul or Apollos deciding their role and more God assigning it to them. And notice each role is different. Paul planted the seed. He was the one who, who planted the church in Corinth years before. But since then he left and it's been Apollos who's been tending the field, watering it, giving it sustenance, to keep on producing. Now both Paul and Apollos have worked tirelessly, but who is credited with causing it to grow? It's only God. That's why Paul makes this bold claim in verse 7. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. He says if you're looking for a hero, then look to God. Any growth in our lives as Christians must be credited to God and not to man. Are we getting that the right way around? Or is it a leader who we praise more than God? Now leaders have a purpose and they'll even be rewarded according to the work they do. But God is the one who grows his church. Verse 9, leaders are to be treated as fellow workers. 
which isn't happening in Corinth. Uh, among the leaders, there is an equality. Not to say that they all have an equal role to play, but uh, because the tasks that God gives them are different, but they are more united than they are divided. They should be viewed in, in harmony rather than kind of contrasted. They humbly serve God, the one who makes things grow, and to whom the Corinthians belong. Mature Christians have, have no reason to pit these servants of God against each other, particularly because they've been assigned these tasks by God. Uh, I remember in my early years as a, an intern at a church uh, getting a, a compliment about the way I had done something, uh, but it was kind of like a, a backhanded compliment because it was qualified by saying, unlike so-and-so. It was, a, it was a comparison. And Paul says, that's a worldly way of thinking. The Lord assigns each to his task. Be careful when you compare and, and diminish someone's work in Christ over things like personal preference. Because remember, it's, it's God who assigns each to their task. Now, if these are servants of the living God, stop treating them like heroes, stop treating them like villains. Uh, I was in a, a Bible study once where, where a couple of people had, had just complained about uh, the preaching style of their minister and uh, a much wiser Christian spoke up and, and gently pointed out that the folly of comparing two leaders, the, their styles, when they're both proclaiming the cross of Jesus, albeit in, in slightly different ways. Treat these leaders as fellow workers who are carrying out their God-given task. So Paul has very helpfully pointed out the role of a Christian leader. In verses 10 to 16, he points out their responsibility. And he uses a, a new illustration now. He, he's left the fields and he's picked up the tools and he's at the building site. But just one, uh, one thing to note before we carry on. Verse 16. This is the building site for the temple of God. And it's God's people who make up the temple. God's people make up the temple. Uh, Ollie reminded us of that in some ways earlier. Uh, in verse 10, by God's grace, it was Paul's responsibility to lay the foundation of the building. As an expert builder, or a more, more literal translation, as a wise master builder. Wise by God's standards, because true wisdom is always linked to him. Paul laid this very foundation but notice someone else is now building on it. Now, if you're building for God, you need to be very careful how you build. Verse 11, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, his cross, his gospel message, there is no foundation. There is no saving faith. And that's a pretty, pretty big responsibility that leaders have been given. There are some who seek to build on, on a different foundation. Uh, there are people like uh, the Mormon church who, whose foundation is built on a guy named Joseph Smith. Or in more recent times, even here in New Zealand, there, there are people from the uh, Shincheonji cult who try and build on the foundation of their leader, Lee Man-hee, who claims to be the only one who can understand the book of Revelation. There are other churches where, where people try and build on the personality of their leader. But at some point it will come crashing down because the foundation isn't built on Jesus Christ. When leaders start acting like heroes and not servants, it never ends well. 
Christian leaders have a, a significant responsibility. And in verse 12, as they build, there are a whole range of materials that can be used. There's gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. Now, I don't think each, uh, each of these materials necessarily represents anything in particular. Uh, some people have tried to decipher them. I think more simply, some of these materials withstand fire, while others are quickly consumed by it. Whatever they build with, the work will be shown for what it is. The reason, the day will bring it to light. Uh, the day being the day of the Lord. The day in the future when Jesus will return. Uh, he touches on what will happen on this day in his, actual, uh, in his second letter to the Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body. Now we're not all leaders in the sense of Paul, but we're all given work to do in God's kingdom. Many here at different times have, have served in a whole range of ways, Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders, uh, people leading a whole range of different ministries, people who do all sorts of work for the kingdom. This work of, of each person will be revealed with fire, and the fire will actually be the, te- uh, the thing that tests the quality of each person's work. Some of those materials are refined by the fire, purified by it. Others are fuel for the fire, destroyed by it. And verses 14 and 15 kind of unpack the results of this. For some, their their work will withstand the fire. They will be rewarded. For others, it will be burned up and they will suffer loss. And that should be quite a, a confronting prospect for any Christian leader or for any Christian Will the work you do withstand the return of Jesus? Is the work built on him? Will it last? Uh, I think in the life of any Christian, there will be things that we're invested in that that will last and things that won't last. Uh, And I take it that's a consequence of, of sin in this world. And the same is true of all leaders. None will be perfect. All will have things that are burned up when Christ returns. But there's a huge encouragement to build upon Christ. If a ministry becomes all about a leader and, and their success, them looking good, people praising them, and in subtle ways Jesus kind of slides into the background, then there's a real possibility the things they've, they've worked so hard for will end up being destroyed like hay in a fire. They'll be of no use. If a person's ministry leaves people praising the individual, but, but there's no impression of people kind of marveling and and being in awe at Jesus, there's something wrong. By contrast, when a Christian works faithfully for God's kingdom, pointing others to the the person and work of Jesus, they can be sure they will be rewarded for their faithfulness. That's what verse 14 says. And when it comes to building the body of Christ, the the building, the temple, the dwelling place of God, some people want, want what looks impressive, that That's in part what has led to this quarrelling. Chasing worldly success can be a trap. Uh, On one hand, they know that Christ is important, but they also want some praise of their own. To be known as the person who doubled the size of their church, uh, to be uh, well-liked by non-Christians in the community, to be recognised by others for all they do. And these can be worldly things. But the warning is there in verse 15. 
if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. This phrase at the end of verse 15 is an interesting one. Uh, their, their salvation isn't in doubt. These are Christians, but there is a sense in which actually they're only there by the skin of their teeth. There's not much to show for their work. They've spent too much time investing in the things of this life that won't last. And they'll face the consequences of this on that day. Uh, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 28, 28 says this, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. One reason to live faithfully now is to avoid shame on the day when Jesus returns. For those who have built with perishable materials, there, there will be less praise and increased shame. But the responsibility of a, a, a Christian leader is to build upon the foundation already laid, Jesus Christ. Uh, we sung that wonderful song together earlier with these words. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life he died. This is the foundation that leaders are to build upon. And therefore, while building, leaders must be careful not to destroy the temple of God. Uh, let me read verse 16 again. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Christians collectively are the temple of God. We have God's spirit in us, among us. Uh, 1 Peter says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. And all Christian leaders, therefore, must tread with care. Now, there are some out there who would like nothing more than to see the church destroyed. Uh, in fact, that's what Paul's whole purpose was once upon a time. Uh, Acts 9, verse 1, says this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now, fortunately for him, God changed his heart. In Corinth, there are no doubt some outside the church who would like to see the church come to an end. But leaders in the church must remember this is God's church, sacred to him. They have a responsibility to care for the church. And so we've seen the, the role and the responsibilities of leaders, and, and hopefully that will help the Corinthians start to graduate from, from milk to solids. But as Paul finishes, he points out two responsibilities for the church which are still relevant today firstly verse 18 do not deceive yourselves if you're wise by worldly standards then humble yourselves become become fools in the world's eyes recognize your ignorance and then you will be truly wise and there are quotes from the, the book of job and psalm 94 to show this don't deceive yourselves don't allow the world's ideas of success and wisdom guide your thinking or your attitudes to your leaders. And secondly, verse 21, no more boasting about men. When they boast about who they follow, they're basically saying, I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos, when in fact all belong to God. Christians don't belong to leaders, but leaders belong to Christians. And if you're in Christ, then everything is also yours. Leaders, the world, life and death, 
present or future. If you're, if you're a Christian, you're an heir with Christ. So stop boasting in man, says Paul. Now is that something you're prone to doing? Maybe you notice uh, some of this kind of struggle in your own life, treating leaders as heroes or even treating them as villains, all at the expense of Jesus. Uh, if that's you, perhaps you need to once again marvel at Jesus. There is no gospel without him. There is no hope without him. There is no church without him. One man on whom the fate of this world rests. There's only one who deserves this ultimate praise. It's, it's not Paul, not Apollos. It's not our favorite Christian leader. It is Jesus. May we remain mature in the faith as we follow him, as we build upon him, and as we are built up in him. Amen.